Welcome to the Atlanta Sports Podcast, a recap of the week in Atlanta sports, created by Atlanta sports fans for Atlanta sports fans. Welcome to episode 52 of the Atlanta Sports Podcast. Once again, two people here. I basically think it's just a two-person podcast now. I, I, I don't know if, if management fired the other guy or what the deal is. Yeah, He's still sponsoring the podcast at least. So, <laughs> Something tells me that somebody hasn't contributed to the podcast fund. We'll be soon. I haven't got my Biden check yet. I'm waiting on that. Oh my gosh. Let's not even go down that because it'll just get me in trouble. And we'll lose the listeners we have when I demonstrate my frustration for everybody gets money. Doesn't matter if you didn't lose your job. Everybody gets money anyways. Why not? Well, I'm just mad. I told you we could just save the government money. And you just, I gave my direct deposit and you send me the money directly. I mean, that's. (laughs) I don't know how to respond to that. But let's talk sports because there's been a lot of sports that have been going on uh, here in Atlanta. Some major news over the past several several days since our, our last recording. Uh, we have a head coach for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks seem to be turning their uh, slump around. They go on a three-game winning streak, I believe, these past uh, few games. Maybe a two-game with a chance of a three. I want to say it's three with a chance of a four. Show prep is important, I think. Uh, so we've we've got a turn in, in the Hawks season, which is uh, which is nice to see them back on track. Uh, but really, the focus I think needs to uh, to really be a lot on uh, the Falcons. Um, but before we get there, Jeremy, I, I have a hot take. I feel like we need to just get the hot take out of the way. Yeah, go ahead. Your hot takes are usually the worst. <laughs> I came to a realization last night watching the Hawks game, watching Trey Young in the first half's inability to score basically only looking interested when he had the ball in his hands. Going back on the other end of the floor on defense and being atrocious. I mean, it was just no effort, none whatsoever. Like, I don't know what his deal is right now. He he's he turned it around in the second half. I think he had put in 30 in the second half. Basically, I should talk bad about him every game because he plays well when I do. But I'm starting to think, man, that that you can't have Trey Young be your superstar and win a championship. I mean, I, you know, the NBA, I mean, winning championships is still relegated to about three teams anyway. So, I mean, you're probably right there because, I mean, who are the contenders for the championship this year? Well, now the Nets. Now the Nets, they've added the, I guess the Nets. I mean, we'll yeah. see. They play they less defense the, than the Hawks do. The Lakers and the Clippers, basically. I mean, those yeah. Maybe the Bucks. Milwaukee, maybe yeah, the Milwaukee Bucks. I guess. I mean, uh, I don't know. But, I mean, as long as LeBron is some shell of himself, it's going to be hard to beat the Lakers with Anthony Davis. So, yeah. we'll just have to see. So, Well, I, w- I, don't, I, I came to that realization last night, and I'm, I love Trey Young. I've had a lot of fun watching Trey Young. But man, was I ever frustrated just seeing his just lackadaisical, I don't care attitude and almost just this realization that we brought in all these guys, right? We brought in Capella and Gallinari and Bogdan and I realized that a couple of them have been hurt, but we brought those guys in to compete. 
By a couple, you mean pretty much all of them? <laughs> yes, like, I know, I know. But but to bring those guys in to compete, and then your superstar that you brought them in for isn't willing to compete himself just because he's he's not doing well on the offensive end. Like you still can impact the game in so many ways to get your teammates involved, to to penetrate the lane and dish, to play decent defense, at least exert some effort on that end, and to see him not do it because whatever funk he's in or whatever deal was going on prior to that second half was just it was almost I'd reached the point of I had enough of of watching that especially when you see a guy like Capella who came and dude put up like 26 and 27 I want to say it was 27 points maybe 26 boards last night I mean just ridiculous numbers from Capella and that's all effort right there's no play run for Clint Capella it's just I'm going to beat you on the glass and I'm going to hustle down the floor and man I wish that Trey Young could just get a fraction of that yeah I mean We'll see. I mean, Capella's been great. I mean, watching him. He play, has, man. It's been outstanding. I mean, he's just all over the place. And he's exactly what we needed last year when we couldn't rebound or do anything else. I mean, you can't talk about the Hawks and ignore the elephant in the room that, you know, we, Larry Lloyd Pierce is a terrible coach. <laughs> and I almost said Larry Drew because it reminds me. It's like. <laughs> Just no plan, no, like, I feel like I'm back in that period. I mean, we brought in good players to compete for at least a playoff spot. Yeah. And the, the sets we run are horrific. Like, I don't, I mean, how he decides to take and bring players in and out of the game, I, I don't, I don't understand at all. <laughs> I mean, our game plan on offense, like, what are we doing? Basically, Trey Young dribbles around a bunch, and other guys stand and watch and hope that the defense collapses. And that's why, I mean, we hoping that you know Nate McMillan was brought in to be kind of stabilizing force for this team. But I mean, Lloyd's, people don't listen to Lloyd Pierce. No, I mean they don't, and it, it's going to cause problems because I mean somebody needs to deal with the problem between you know John Collins and Trey Young. I mean, just sit them down and be like, hey, y'all, you know, because they have to play together or, or you're going to because you, you're not going to get value for John Collins by trading them. I mean, you're just not. I mean, you got to resign him. He's going to, you know, I mean, we a lot of people were comparing John Collins to some big men from the Hawks for the past, like Millsap and Orford. But if you look at the numbers, John Collins is better. And he's in his fourth year, so I mean, you, you got to pay him at this point because good grief! Like in, in pre-show, I made the argument that Horford and Millsap were both better because I don't know. I guess I had rosy images painted in my brain of the the performances from them in the past, particularly Millsap, particularly Millsap. But Jeremy quickly let me know that their numbers are are nowhere near John Collins's numbers. Uh, through the, you know, especially just here in the beginning of John Collins's career. So I was on the, the Horford Millsap train, but Collins frustrates me still sometimes as well. But he, he I, I agree with Jeremy. You just can't, you're not going to be able to trade him when he's in his final year. Right. Uh, and get much for him. So yeah, I'm with you. It's, I do think the Hawks intention is to resign him. Yeah. I, I think that it was a smart business move. And we talked about this a little bit before, right? Like let's see if we can get him a little bit below the max. Right. 
realizing that we will give them the max if we have to. And then if somebody offers them, right, the Hawks can just match it. So it's not, and the owner for the Hawks has not been shy about spending money. So I, I have no real concern about the financial implications of, of giving Collins a max. Uh, and his work ethic seems to be there too. Like the guy likes to play. He has fun. He, he seems to want to be out there and competing and getting better. Uh, the, the Capella and him sort of, uh, match sort of union of those two players on the floor has been great too. So yeah, I, I don't see Collins going anywhere, but you know, people are, are concerned. Yeah. Well, the thing they have to stop doing is, I mean, I don't know if they've told Lloyd Pierce to, you know, play him less or, or if they're trying to make a point earlier in the year. Cause I mean, some of his, the playing time in the game that he's getting is just ridiculous. I mean, mm-hmm. we had one game where they brought him in, he missed. He sat out the whole fourth quarter, but like the last two minutes, it was like, "What are you doing? Like, if you're gonna sit him the fourth quarter, sit him the fourth quarter. Like, don't bring him in with two minutes. Like, he's gonna be able to do anything at that point when he's sitting down on the bench for what? I mean, the actual time, you know, thirty, forty minutes. Like, you right. just can't, can't do that to one of your better players. Like, it's not like we have a full. We our full roster is not healthy either, so it's not like you know you could even make a case. Oh, I, I lost track because I wanted to get Gallinari time, or I want you know. I mean, we need Collins to be able to win. We need him playing big time minutes, and it's it's just frustrating. I'm so ready for Lord Pierce to be fired. It's just I don't. Yeah, we came out of a, a timeout last night. Uh, with the ball, right? So offensive set coming out of the timeout. And usually this is... He shouldn't take is... timeouts. He shouldn't take timeouts. Like, <laughs> it, it just gives the other team time to prepare. Like, just <laughs> let them win or whatever. He does nothing in timeouts. Like, I don't I don't know why you take them. <laughs> so they come out of the timeout. And the shot that they get is basically Trey Young dribbling around a bunch. Comes in the paint, shot clock's almost at the end, and it's a final desperation kick for a three to Solomon Solomon Hill, taking a three out of the corner, who clanks it off the side of the backboard or the side of the the rim, and uh, nowhere close to going in. And I thought, is that really what we just came out of a timeout to and rain that? Like, what just happened? Yeah, but I mean, we can't. There's no way we can get worse by bringing you know. Nate McMillan's going to be better for us. I mean, he get, he couldn't be any worse. Like, yeah, and he has co- he has head coaching experience. Like, the, there's no reason we haven't made them move at this point. I mean, you just can't wait much longer. Yeah, I'm, I honestly am surprised that that Pierce has made it as long as he has. Uh, you know, I don't know if they're waiting to see. You know, once all these healthy bodies come back, if that makes a difference. But we saw that at the beginning with all the people healthy that it it didn't make a difference. So. I don't. I don't need to continue to see this uh, this story play out. Yeah, I'm a hundred percent with you, and we've been beating that drum since last year that that Lloyd Pierce is not the right fit for the Hawks. Uh, that he needed to go. I think we were the only two people on on Hawks Twitter beating that drum, and now we everybody got up, we got beat up pretty bad last year for yeah, we saying did. that Lloyd Pierce should be fired. <laughs> like, now now our bus is is covered. It looks like a <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I don't know. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know how. Like, it's just it's time. Like, we're we're, we're tired. Like, we don't want. But if you gave him more weapons, like, what's he gonna do with that? Like, he didn't know what to do with seven or eight good players. Yeah. Like, he has ten good players. What's he? I, 
He's be comatose on the sideline. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lloyd, Lloyd Pierce. I, I I hope his days are numbered, but it 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 doesn't seem that way, right? If he if this hasn't pushed him out the door, and again, you and I watching this, and we're basketball guys, love basketball, right? But the general manager for the Hawks, Travis Link, like his basketball mind is far and above anything that we know. So if we're recognizing this you know that he's recognizing this as well. So uh, hopefully we see some change uh, soon with uh, with the Hawks head coaching position. But but speaking of change, Jeremy, the Falcons do have their new head coach in place with uh, with the hiring of Arthur Smith. Yeah. Can yeah. we go back before we go to the Falcons? I got one more yeah. point on the Hawks. So the people who are starting to turn on Travis Slink, like he's done anything wrong the last year and a half, need to chill out. Like, I mean, pretty much every move he's made since he's been here has worked out. I mean, obviously you're going to have, you know, some where maybe it didn't go as well as you want. Like the, the our number one draft pick, we'll see. I mean, oh uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he looks he looks real nervous out there. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, he he's a rookie, so you got to give him time. Hopefully, he'll continue to get better. But it's just. When you pick that high, you hope that you know you're gonna get something that will contribute. And I'm not sure yet. Verdict is still out on that one. Yeah, yeah. He went up for a, a layup for a shot against uh, oh the man who was it? That's a couple nights ago. One of the bigs for another team, and uh, and man, they just it wasn't even close. It looked like it was a point guard trying to go up against the center, and the dude just threw it to the to the rafters. So yeah. Yeah, he he's got to learn how to play in the NBA. It's definitely a different game than what he's been playing. Uh, but I, I I have a little promise for him. Right? I want to say it was like Mister Basketball for the state of California, uh, coming at, you know coming out of high school to go to college. You know, like he he's got the experience uh, and the ability and the tools. I think I I think it's just the learning how to play in the NBA. So hopefully hopefully he can put that together. But I mean, reality is right. Think about DeAndre Hunter. Last year, uh, man, we looked at DeAndre Hunter, and I, at least I did. And I was like, dude can't play on the offensive end. He can play defense, but he can't play on the offensive end. And now he's one. Of, he's been one of our best players this year, along with Clint Capella. Uh, DeAndre Hunter has been fantastic. So uh, hopefully, I'm going to call him Double O because trying to say that guy's name is tough. So we'll stick with Double O like they do on uh, some of the broadcasts. And uh Hopefully he can get it together on the offensive end, or just—I mean, even on the defensive end, just just get a little more comfortable. Yeah, but people—I mean, people need to give Travis Link credit for what he's done. I mean, good grief! Like our team was a dumpster fire a couple of years ago. I mean, he's you know, the moves he's made to get us to where we are is, is really impressive. So, yeah. I mean, I—he's definitely got my trust for at least you know three, four, or five years before I'm even like you know what what are you doing? I mean. We're well past the Billy Knight years where you know, he was walking his dog while we were picking Sheldon Williams. <laughs> All right. Well, Jeremy, can we transition to the Falcons? You have more Hawks talk. Yeah, no, we're good. I mean, they're they're starting to play better, which is good. I mean, they're still it's still rough to watch. I mean it it yeah. it hadn't been pretty wins, but but they're wins. I mean, hopefully we can get continue to get healthy and, you know new coach who understands offensive rhythm and basketball in general. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right, on to the Falcons. On to the Falcons. What What are your thoughts? You You are not high on Lloyd Pierce. Are you high on Arthur Smith and the hiring? Yeah, yeah I think that could be a good fit. I mean, the big thing was I wanted an offensive coach because, I mean, the last two defensive coaches never were able to put together a defense. And, you know, we're always kind of relying on Oh, well, we've had one good offensive coordinator all the time, basically, with Kyle Shanahan in the last six, seven years. Malarkey wasn't bad. Mike Malarkey, some credit. Uh, yeah, he was better uh, than Dirk Cutter. Well, Dirk Cutter's a train wreck. But, I mean, I think we, the, I mean, we've talked about this, but the good thing about having an offensive coach is you have your identity on offense and you can kind of bring in a new coach and the whole identity of the offense doesn't change. I mean, we we just have to have that with so much money in our offensive set. I mean, and it, even if you, like, looking at the cap situation, like, Matt Ryan is not, I know people want to get rid of Matt Ryan and Julio Jones this year, but you look at the cap situation, that's not going to happen unless you just want to have no, like, no money. I mean, you, you'd be eating, like, 60, 70 in dead cap space, million dollars. I mean, that's just insane. Like, the way I mean, Matt Ryan's contracting specifically, I mean, it's it's a tough it's a tough one to cut because he's got he's got bonuses that are coming from old contracts. I mean, he, you know, we, it's just a difficult one to cut, especially this year. Like next year and the year after, you could there's decent savings that could be had, but. I think people are being unrealistic if they they think we're going to move on from those two. I mean, who, I think I don't think any either of us would be that heartbroken to get move on from Julio Jones. He's a great player. We love Julio, but it's just he makes so much money, and he's he's always <laughs> well, we're hurt. in the same I mean, spot with him, right? As we are with Matt Ryan. You can't get rid of Julio. I mean, you could get rid of Julio, but. You can't get You're rid of them eat this so year. much money. Yeah, it's yeah this year you can't get rid of them. I mean, it's it would it cost. I think it's twenty twenty three in dead cap money. I mean, it's it's something ridiculous. It's plus the caps going down this year, right? So I mean, it's yeah. that would really hamstring you. We lose lose cap room this year if you cut them. I mean, it right. it it just does you no good. So that's, yeah, might, as well, might as well have them on the field for forty five percent of the snaps. Right, because we love. I mean, we love Julio, obviously. I mean, we we all do. It's just we wish he was. Well, first, I hope Arthur Smith plays him a little more. I mean, he's in a larger percentage of the plays, and then you know, hope he can stay healthy. Because yeah. Well, my brother is not excited about the Arthur Smith hire. He feels like it's another Falcons safe hire, another Mike Smith kind of hire. Which I honestly, I like Mike Smith, but. Uh, I don't look at it the same way. I don't think it's a safe hire necessarily. I think it is going out a bit on, on a limb for, for Arthur Blank to bring in Arthur Smith. Uh, mostly because Smith is, is not a proven commodity, right? He's, he's been an OC for two years. Uh, he's He's been play calling, which I love the fact that in his interview, he mentioned that, that he will be calling plays here. Uh, he's going to have an OC that's going to help him in game planning, but he will be the OC, and I think that is a, a huge deal. Um but I do think it's a bit of a risk because he's he is unproven, right? He's never had a head coaching gig, so this is going to be his first his first role with it. Yeah, I'd never heard of him before this year. I mean, I, right? 
if you ask, you know. So it's definitely a risk. I mean, I think uh, the Chiefs offense coordinator would have been less of a risk just because I think, you know, he's been in that position for a long period of time. People have been talking about him as a potential head coach for, you know, two, three years. So I think that's a safer pick. This is jumping off track a little bit, but I'm interested with the B enemy thing of why he's not continuing to get the the talk of being head coach this year. It looks it looks like unless the Texans hire him, because I think the Texans spot's the last one open now with the Texans, Eagles pick. Te- Texans are a disaster. I hope he doesn't go there just because yeah. I think I think he you know, I I would have liked to have him on the Falcons as well. I mean, he was another one that I would have been happy with. But I, I think, you know, I want him to see him do well, and whoever walks in that Texan situation is walking into a nightmare. I mean, yeah. Watson wants to leave. Watt potentially wants to leave. So it's just not a good situation. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm just interested on why Enemy isn't getting the talk. Like, you heard a little bit of a rumor come out that he didn't interview well with the Falcons, and I'm wondering – if that is truly a problem, if he's not interviewing well, or if that was, I know the Falcons later came out and said, no, that wasn't the case, but I mean, what are they going to do? Come out and say, Oh yeah, he was a terrible interview. Like that's not going to happen. So yeah, that, that was interesting to me. And I also wonder if Mahomes being his quarterback uh, and the influence of Andy Reid of who's really calling plays. If that, if those things that we're recognizing are also issues uh, that are, are coming up as others are looking to hire him. Um, but yeah, yeah. I think Andy Reid could have done him some more favors probably after that last game in particular. I mean, they had some big sequences down the end of the game to where he could have came out and said, "Hey, that was all that was all Eric, you know. You know, that was his influence on our offense, you know. He's I, I like mean, how you just call him Eric now so you don't have to say be enemy. Yeah, I'm not even going there. <laughs> but Eric B. <laughs> But I, you know, and I'm. But he he didn't do that, and you know, you would you would hope somebody who's been in that role for a while, you know, he might chill for a little bit. But yeah. He, well, well, back to Arthur Smith. Uh, one big reason why I think he has a chance of being very successful here is uh, if you look at the numbers for Tannehill pre Arthur Smith. Tannehill was a below average quarterback, right? Without a question. Like it's not, you can't argue. Tannehill was not a good quarterback in Miami. Uh, wasn't even the starter uh, in in Tex- in Tennessee until uh, Mariota got hurt uh, and then pulled. So the things that he did for Tannehill's career is outstanding. That I look at that and say, obviously he he can call an offense to meet the the skill set of the players that he has. But the same is true for uh, for Henry. Yep. He was good, but man, when Arthur Smith arrived, he became great. And I really am excited to see sort of how he he changes the offense and uses the offense to to maximize the the players' skills that we have on the team. And that's something he talked a lot about: is that that he's going to do that. That he he doesn't just say, "I have the scheme I'm going to use." He wants to make the scheme adjust the scheme to work better for the players that he currently has. So I'm really, really excited about what he's going to bring. And the fact that, like you said, we've got an offensive-minded coach that, uh, you know, if he's super successful, isn't going anywhere, right? He's he's sticking around here. 
compared to if he was ROC, he'd be he'd be gone in no time. But the coordinators, have you looked at all, Jeremy? The coordinators he's bringing in, not not really, no. I- so. The only one that really interests me, well, we do have a new special teams coordinator. I know you're excited about that, Marquise Williams. <laughs> I'm excited that the old special teams coordinator is no longer around, yes. Yeah, shocker. They were not retained. Uh, the wide receivers coach was retained, which I can I can be on board with that. He apparently had a big hand in bringing in Russell Gage and utilizing Russell Gage more in the offense. And I think that was uh, a smart pick. I mean, we obviously have a good wide receiver core. Uh, the the OC is Dave Ragone from uh, coming from Chicago. The one that that interests slash concerns me is the new defensive coordinator Dean Pease. I know he's got a tough name, like poor guy. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Like how, how else do you pronounce P double E S? Right. So uh, so that's the one I'm concerned with. Not because of experience, right? The dude has championship experience. He's won two Super Bowls. Uh, he he has tons of experience in the NFL coaching defenses. But Jeremy, he brings a 3-4 scheme to the Falcons. What are your thoughts on that? You can hear in my voice that that concerns me. Um, so, I mean, I guess who are you playing at linebacker? Like, <laughs> well, if you go four three, who are you playing a defensive line? <laughs> so I mean, who are the four linebackers he's going to play in that scheme? I'm assuming you got the guy that was rookie this year, Michael Walker. You're going to play Foyer Luicon. Yeah, you're going to play Deion Jones. Deion Jones. I don't, I don't know, I don't who, know who that one is. I'm guessing you're drafting the fourth linebacker because yeah. they're bringing in the. Better. I mean, I don't. I mean, the four three hadn't worked for us. Yeah, you know, that's doesn't. <laughs> <you know. laughs> I just look at it though and go, you, you have to. Our defensive line is already bad, and maybe that's what they're looking at, right? But I remember, wasn't Wade Phillips here? Am I? Wasn't wasn't Wade Phillips our defensive coordinator, then interim head coach for a time? Dan with Dan Quinn, wasn't it? I think it was before Quinn. You talking about Dan Reeves? Dan Reeves, yeah. There we go. So I remember us having a 4-3 and then somebody bringing in the 3-4. And the issue you have of defensive linemen and the way they play, the way you play in a 3-4 compared to a 2 uh, compared to a 4-3. Grady Jarrett, I don't think is a nose tackle, right? He's not he doesn't have the size to play the nose tackle spot. On a three four, unless you're talking about moving Grady out to one of your defensive ends and bringing in a nose tackle, uh, there, to me, there's just so many question marks with that three four. Like we already have question marks, right? We already aren't great on the defensive line, but to me, this this brings in well. Now we have a, an issue with the defensive line still, and we don't have enough linebackers to play the three four with the four linebackers. So. To me, it just adds another problem to the defense compared to sticking with that 4-3 and building from there. Yeah. I mean, they've got a complete overhaul to do on the defense regardless, though. So, to me, I'm not not as afraid of it because I just think, I mean, you're going to have to go pretty heavy defense in the draft this year. I mean, so you can, you know, supplement there. And then if we cut, I mean, there's a number of veteran cuts that we can make and then uh, re- renegotiate, you know, 
Oh, man. If you look at Jake Matthews' contract. <laughs> I think every episode you try to find a way to badmouth Jake Matthews. Don't look at his contract because it's just it's terrible. And we're going to re- re- renegotiate it this year because we need cap space. And so I mean, he's going to get paid as like the top tackle in the league before this is all over. So it's just... jeremy has a deep hatred for jake matthews no i don't i I don't have a hatred for him he's just not a good player (laughs) you have a hatred for his contract i don't like his contract or the way he plays football (laughs) i'm sure he's a wonderful person (laughs) so one other bit of news arthur smith took a little bit of heat after he was hired our boy Bomani Jones. We talked about Bomani Jones before. Former Atlanta guy, apparently. He was <laughs> he was not pleased. He was not pleased with the hiring of Arthur Smith because he he claims he didn't pay his dues. That he just made it to where he is because his dad is Fred Smith, the founder and owner of FedEx. Yeah, I didn't know that either until I read that this week. I was like, I mean, I'm I'm impressed. With- the guy that works and, you know, has made a name for himself. It, I, I told my wife, your sister, I, uh, I, <laughs> that I was impressed with the family, right? What's the chances that you are a, a billionaire in the United States and that your, your son gets one of the, was it 32 teams in the NFL? Is that right? One of the 32 head coaching, like how the rarest of rarest jobs that your son has that head coaching position. So talk about accomplished as a family. That is that is pretty impressive. You know, I, I don't know how Arthur Smith moved through the ranks, how he got to where he is. But as, as you said, clearly the guy has some work ethic because he doesn't have to put in that, that hard work, right? He doesn't have to do that, no. yet he's chosen to. So that, that argument from Bomani Jones was, to me, just weak journalism. Just what's an easy thing I can write about to attack this guy? That'll get clicks compared to just like we said, just analyzing it. The guy doesn't have to do this. And yet he is tells me all I need to know about his work ethic. Yeah. Well, it's just a lazy media, lazy, lazy media take on Atlanta sports. I mean, they, they don't want to look into it. So they're just like, Oh, he's the son of the founder of FedEx. Like let's, let's attack him for that. It's like, just who cares? Like, is he the only thing we'll care about in a couple of years was, is he a good coach? Did he make the offense better? Did he, you know, are we in the playoffs again? If we're in the playoffs again, if we're competing for championships, you know, we'll be happy. If not, he'll be fired. Like that's, yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter whose dad is. Yeah, his dad being the owner of FedEx is not going to impact whether or not he keeps his head coaching job. Yeah. And like you said before, I mean, he, I mean, he made Derrick Henry better when he was there. Derrick Henry is a great player, but you know if you look at the numbers, there was a huge boost from when Arthur Smith was the offensive coordinator. Yeah, Ron, Ron Tenno got better. I mean, it's just you gotta give him some credit for that. Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. It's not like they're a jug. It's not like Tennessee's an offensive juggernaut to where you know he just came in, took took the reins, and was like, oh well, you know, we're putting up all these points now. We're 
were competing for playoff spots. Like, you know, there was a, there was a big difference when he was in that role. So. Yeah. I mean, he carved out the, fa- was he offensive coordinator when Mariota carved out the Falcons or was that, <laughs> was that, was that, that was last year, wasn't it? That was last year. So yes, he was. <laughs> yeah, that was yikes. All world Marcus Marietta carves up the Falcons for like four or five touchdowns. <laughs> and then get and then two weeks later isn't isn't playing anymore. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, that was that was brutal. That was brutal. Well, Jeremy, the the Braves have also been in the news. Have you heard who they're targeting? <sighs> I know who I want them target. You want them he plays third base for the <laughs> Colorado going, Rockies. Are we going back to this? Yeah. Only Arenado. Arenado's not coming to the Braves. Uh, you're not sure about that first off, and then... I'm 98% sure that Arenado's not coming to the Braves. Oh. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. They are, however, targeting JT Real Muto, which... Honestly, I was surprised when I heard because Darno was outstanding last year, <laughs> right? Like one of the best catchers in base. I want to say his numbers were better than than JT Real, Real Muto's numbers last year. I could be wrong. Does but he play I, another position? Because that's my uh, thought. Like, are they thinking that one of them is going to play some left field and platoon and left field and and I? I mean, you can't I would, see Darno playing left field. I, mean, I can't no. see that. Uh, yeah. Although we did put Gaddis out there, so I guess anything is possible. But we also put Chipper Jones out there. You know my feelings on that. Notorious Chipper Jones hater, Danny Park. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I I don't know what the plan is there, or if maybe they're looking at the idea of of the the DH not this year, but the following year, and therefore one of them can catch, one of them can DH. And then you flip flop it, but then you have an issue of if your catcher gets hurt, you can't bring him from the DH there to catch. You're going to have to carry three catchers on the roster. Like I don't know. Have they told us whether or not we're going to have a DH? Because that's ridiculous that nobody knows have, that. Right now, it's no on the DH, is my understanding. So yeah, I, I like JT Real Muto. I'm not complaining. I mean, the you, the better players you can get, and you doesn't matter to me if if it's at multiple positions that you're or the same position you're you're racking up good players. But I just don't know how you're going to get both of them playing time unless there's Real Muto has some other other skill set that you and I don't know about. But would you and rather that, see that money spent on Azuna? Yes. Although it's over Real Muto. Well, just because we, I mean, if we're wrong and he can play third or he can play left, you know, I wouldn't mind that at all because you know he's obviously a great player, but. What kind of skill set do you have to have where you can play third base and be a great catcher? I don't know. Really That's... good, really good skill set. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't know how that would work. I mean, there's some. There's been some butchers at third base that you just stick out there for offensive reasons. But I mean, Ozuna in left is not something I think I want to watch. Honestly, you know he was a Gold Glove, a Gold Glove did, left fielder like two years ago. I don't know how. Like, I, that blows me away. I mean, we watched him play defense for 
a little few games. I mean, yeah, whew, man. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I got. It's just tough. I mean, I, who is not for the DH in the National League? Like, who doesn't want to see that? Like, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't get know it. who wants to continue to see pitchers hit. I mean, I don't, I don't need to see pitchers flailing at three pitches anymore. Like, yeah. I mean, what? They're probably seven or eight pitchers who actually take pride in their hitting and actually put up competitive at bats, but, you know. It's just unnecessary. I mean, I can't believe it's still a thing. And you would have thought last year would have been kind of the end to say, hey, everybody likes DH. It's more fun. Like, it's, you know. Yeah. I've, I've done some crack research, Jeremy, because that's what I do. JT crack. Real Muto. <laughs> JT Real Muto plays catcher and first base. I didn't do us any good. So if you play first base, right, doesn't that mean you can also play third base? Freddie did it last year. <laughs> yeah. So JT Real Muto playing third. Sign me up. I'm on board now. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I think that could be a very ugly. If, like you said before, the skill set to play catcher in third is is very different. He is a different catcher though, right? Like he's not a like he's an athletic catcher. He steals bases like He's a great player. I, I would love to see him on the Braves, but I don't know what you're doing, Travis Darno, who was outstanding last year. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Also, what that Azuna contract is going to look like if he doesn't go to Atlanta. I know that uh, that Springer signed that deal like five or six years, $130 million. So I don't know what that's going to do to Azuna's contract he gets but we're not swimming in those kind of waters if that's what azuna is looking for no. and I, I don't blame the braves i don't want to sign, give that guy a, a five or six year deal if we're looking at a three or four year deal sign me up but five or six no way no. so all right man well i think we have covered the week in atlanta sports i think we did a pretty darn good job of it i would like to say if you haven't checked us out on youtube you should mostly because i'll adjust the camera here a little bit I'm rocking the new edition of, and the only edition, of the Atlanta Sports Podcast t-shirt. It is rather sharp looking. Good stuff. (laughs) Not just because I'm modeling it, but because it's a cool shirt. If you have interest in getting one of these shirts, we can open up a shop and sell them to you. However, I really don't want to go through all that effort if there's no interest in people getting them. So if you're interested in getting a the Atlanta Sports Podcast t-shirt to rep the podcast when you're out doing your grocery shopping and running your errands, hit us up on Twitter and let us know so that we can have an idea if we need to set this shop up for you or not. Jeremy, you got anything else? No, nope, I'm done. Quote, I'm done. What a, what a great send-off that was. <laughs> I'm done. Well, I will say, if you haven't told a friend, Tell a friend about the podcast. If you haven't already uh, written a little review for us on your favorite podcasting platform, do that too. And as always, thank you for listening. Goodbye. That is it for episode 52 of the Atlanta Sports Podcast. 
Like I said, if you're interested in those t-shirts, be sure to send us a message on Twitter at ATL Sport Podcast. Let us know if we need to put that shop up for you guys or not. Again, thank you for listening and have a great week, Atlanta.